So you're one of the most controversial personalities in crypto, and you've had a lot of ups and downs in your life. Yeah. I, not everybody knows you outside yeah. of crypto, but right. give us an introduction, some anecdotes about your life and how it prepared you for crypto. Yeah, so I've been through a lot in my life. <laughs> so um, you, know, you really can't tell my story without going back to um, uh, 2007. So you go back a long time ago, that's you know, 16 years now. Um, for seven years, I was in America, I was a drug addict. I did meth, I did meth, I did coke, I did every drug you can imagine. I almost died, I overdosed, I was in the hospital for seven days or eight days. I was in jail, like I didn't know what to do with myself. I was in a bad spot. Um, wasted my whole life. I was a smart kid growing up, you know, I was very smart, but like I just, you know, had a lot of problems, had a lot of family problems and um, a, lot, a lot of problems in school, some abuse, some different stuff that I, I dealt with growing up and it was just really hard. And so I end up, you know, overdosing and almost, almost dying. I was in a coma for three days and I came out and I was like, man, I think I need to do something different. <laughs> I think what I'm doing is not working and I think I need some help. So I, so I went to rehab for a, a, a full year of a rehab and then I did another full year uh, as an intern. So I basically did two years in residence, living at a place um, that was ran by people who had had, the, had similar issues. And um, so through that process, like not only did I learn like about a lot about myself and deal with a lot of issues, but then I had to deal with like running, I, they put so much responsibility on you when you were an intern, I kind of did everything. And so that kind of led me into entrepreneurship. So um, my wife and I, when we first got married, I, I worked at a car wash, I made $25,000 a year. And I thought $25,000 a year was pretty good back then, you know, like, you know, 15 years ago, like 14 years ago, not that great, but um, my friend started a business and then I, I was like, man, I want to start a business too. So I started a ticket business. I sold events tickets and um, I did very well with it, made six figures the first year from 25,000 to six figures. And then slowly but surely my business died because I was mainly working with a bunch of centralized entities that would make these decisions and they wouldn't tell me why, they wouldn't tell me why all of a sudden they were making this big change, why they took the payment processors away from the software that I use for my business. And um, the guy who I use the software from, in 2012, he started taking this thing called Bitcoin. And so that's what led me into that. So um, I sold all my Bitcoin in 2013, $1,700 worth. I thought I was rich, you know? <laughs> thought I was rich, six, six Bitcoin. I, I met a guy, I met a guy from localbitcoins.com at a McDonald's and over the Wi-Fi, I gave away all my money. <laughs> so didn't even know it. So, so that was really kind of a business standpoint, kind of what led me into crypto. And then 2017, I, I, I stayed paying attention. I had money on Mt. Gox, you know, the whole thing. But 2017, I was like, dang, I'm poor and I should be really rich right now. Like I really miss my opportunity. And so it's one of those things where the more I dug into it, the more that I learned about it and the more excited I got about it. And at the same time, like I, my, my business was kind of struggling. so. Uh, off and on between being a volunteer or eventually at this point when I, when I left in 2018, I was the executive director of a teenage rehabilitation center for, uh, teen, uh, for teenage boys getting off drugs because that's still what I was passionate about was helping people. And so, um, you know, 2018, my passion just really changed. Uh, January 27, or uh, excuse me, December 2017, January 2018, that's where things kind of started. Um, I jumped full in on crypto and, and uh, you know, a lot of people know me as BitBoy. Well, it's kind of weird. I'm a 40-year-old man. I'm of age, okay, just so y'all know. But BitBoy was supposed to be a comic book superhero. We were gonna do an animated cartoon series. My friend who's now my, he's now my uh, direct vice president of NFTs. We were just buddies. We actually went to rehab together all those years ago. And we were buddies and we started doing stuff. And 
he was like, I got this cool character name. It's called BitBoy. It's like a superhero. And so we wanted to do this channel. And I don't know if you guys know the worst possible time to try to do something fun in crypto. It was January 2018. <laughs> like it was the worst possible time because the market just went down and never went back up, you know, until later on. And I just, I just fell in love with the technology. And like I said, the decentralization is what really drew me to it. Of course, the money at first, I was like, man, I really missed out on this opportunity. I want to try to make the money. But it was the decentralization that I really fell in love with because that was what crushed my businesses. And I don't know if you guys are, have heard of, uh, have you guys heard of the YouTube shooter? Does anybody know what happened with the YouTube shooter? So there was a lady, she was, she was either Indian or Middle Eastern. I can't remember exactly. I, I think she was Middle Eastern. She had a channel. She lived in America. She had a channel on YouTube. And... One day, YouTube cut her monetization off. And she was frustrated, like, why did you cut my monetization off? I, this is my job, this is what I do for a living. She wasn't huge or anything, but she was making enough money to survive or it was side money or whatever. For, for weeks, she tries to get in touch with people. Well, you know, AI runs all that. There's not even a person at YouTube that can tell you what you did. And she got frustrated and she went with a firearm. She, thank God, she's a terrible shot. She didn't, no, nobody got hit. I remember that. Night. Nobody got hit, but she went. And, and look, I certainly would never say that's something you should do. But that frustration of you're running a business, just like if they cut you off from Google AdWords or they cut you off, they take your channel from YouTube, they take your Twitter account, and you've got no idea why, and they won't tell you, like, what kind of world is that? And blockchain solves all that. It makes everything transparent where everybody plays by the same rules. And so, you know, it's something as a creator, like I'm really passionate about is, you know, the fairness. And so why am I controversial? That's a great question. 99% of people say they all kinds of stuff about me. It's <laughs> well, just it's not a true. Lot. Yeah. Know? It's a lot. But, you know, I chase after bad characters and people don't like that. I was introduced to you last year by the Kitco gang. And yeah. uh, I got your number, called you up. I didn't even know who you were. Uh -huh. We spent an hour. It was like uh -huh. 1 a.m. for yeah. you in Dubai. And you were telling me about... Uh, Working with Barbara Boxer. Barbara Boxer, yeah. yeah. And the Republicans and the Democrats changing the whole banking system. Uh -huh. And then I tell my colleagues about, is that bit boy Ben, the guy who <laughs> strips on, <laughs> on YouTube? No, that can't be him. This guy's serious. He, yeah, he's I am serious. Yeah, who knows what I do on the show. I, I dressed up like Cupid one time. So tell us about the work you did with the senators. That's, and, yeah, and so, I mean, like you were so ahead of your time calling you. out FTX. and. Yeah. Yeah. And you did it from our keynote stage last year at I Future Blockchain Summit when FTX was our headline sponsor. And that sponsor. was in October. What were the dates? That would have been um, early October. And when did, when did FTX collapse? Less than a month Second later. Second week of November. I told everybody to get out. I warned people. I warned people. I warned people. So we, what had happened, and we have a new book, so I'm not here to show you my book, but Catching Up to FTX is my new book. And that's going to come out exactly one year to the week that FTX collapsed. And it's the story about... We talk about how uh, we talk about the decentralized system, why why the centralized traditional finance system is flawed, and how FTX is just another iteration of the same thing, and it's the same common problem we keep seeing in crypto over and over and over again, which is the centralized powers taking over, and then they just can't keep their hand out of the cookie jar. So what happens is is that uh, I had just been to Alaska and I, I had no internet for two weeks. I come back. We had a digital asset commission bill. We weren't even allowed to talk about what the bill was at this time because it was still trying to go through the Senate and Congress and stuff. And so what happens is we had, we had I have a contact who was friends with Brett Harrison, who was the president of FTX US, and also he had spoken with SBF before with Sam Bankman-Free. 
And Sam had just said something on TV. I can't remember what it was, or I can't remember exactly. I, I don't remember if it was the Senate committee or the Congress committee. Somewhere on Capitol Hill, and one of the one of the politicians was asking him, and, and like, well, you know, like actually, like here's how it all works. And Sam said. Uh, actually, you should ask any user on our platform. They know way more about crypto than you do. And I was like, okay, I like that answer. Like, that's good because a politician didn't know anything. And so he, you got all these old guys trying to regulate crypto that don't know anything about it. And they're not asking any of our opinions. I'm in, I'm in my second decade in crypto. That's a pretty big flex. 11 years I've been in crypto. And they're going around and asking these people who have never even heard of it. They couldn't even tell you the difference between a, a, a Bitcoin and a, a coin on an online casino. They can't even tell you the difference. And so what happens is, is we start putting this, uh, this stuff together for this bill. We've got a, a Republican backer and a Democratic backer. We've got Mick Mulvaney's on one side. And we've got a, a lobbying group. And we've got Barbara Boxers working on the Democratic side with our lobbying group. And so what happens is we send it to funding. Well, we send it to funding because we're open. We kind of line up. They're talking to the politicians the way we want to talk to the politicians. Like, listen up. We're the people that know. Like, we're trying to give you the information. It's here. And we, we, we want regulation to some extent. Like, I don't want to give everything. I want to keep the ideals of decentralization, but we need to do some stuff. We got to change some stuff. We need, we need some regulation. So I come back from Alaska, I'm in the airport in Seattle, and I get this phone call, I'm in my layover. So I live in Atlanta, Georgia, so go to Alaska, Seattle. And my, my politics guy calls me and he's like, bro, we got a problem. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, while you were gone, they tried, it wasn't Sam, it was, um, what is his, I can't remember his name. He, he was there, he worked for the CFTC before, and he was their head of policy at FTX. His name escaped my mind for a second. He tried to steal Barbara Boxer from us. So Barbara Boxer calls FTX, calls her policy department and says, hey, what happened to this bill? Because I'm, I'm new to politics. This isn't my shtick, you know? Uh, and apparently if you send a bill in for funding and a policy department receives it, they should know pretty quick whether it's something that lines up or not. They saw it on it for three weeks. I didn't have internet while I was in Alaska, so I had no idea what was going on. It was out in the woods. And so he says, not only did they say they weren't gonna fund it, they admitted that they were sabotaging our bill and sitting on it. Sam was going behind us now and coming up with his own bill in the Senate. And by the way, we want you to come work for us. And she said, well, what are you doing? And they said, well, you know the bit license in New York? We're trying to do the, that in the whole country. If you know anything about the bit license in New York City, which was enacted as basically a reaction in July of 2014, it was basically a reaction to Mt. Gox because Mt. Gox collapsed. It was hacked, 90% of Bitcoin transactions, bad, right? The next year in August, I believe it was August in 2015, it goes into effect. Immediately companies leave, leave New York. It's so hard still to this day in New York to do crypto, it's harder than everywhere else because of this bit license. He wanted to make it where he and FTX were going to be the only exchange in town. Could they he have gonna, pulled it off? Could he have pulled it off? That's a great question. It would have been hard with Coinbase. But if you noticed, he sent a shot to Brian Armstrong right before FTX collapsed. He said, yeah, I think we're, we're considering buying Coinbase. That's what he said. He, he had already been firing shots at CZ. He was firing shots at Brian Armstrong. He was, Alex Wyshynski Celsius, who do y'all think was responsible for that? 
Y'all know why that went down? That all started in January. And I know this because I've talked to these people. In January of 2022, um, Alex Mashinsky goes to the Bahamas. He goes down to the office in the Bahamas with Sam Bankman Freed. And he looks around and he goes, oh, there's a big problem here. There's a bunch of kids running this exchange and none of them know what's happening. So you know what he does? He pulls all their tether off of, off of FTX. That's what started the whole thing. Alex Mashinsky un, unknowingly started the alarm bells at FTX. And that's why, F, that's why Sam Bankman fried had a personal vendetta against Alex Mashinsky. And I'm not saying Alex Mashinsky didn't do anything wrong because he certainly did. He was certainly negligent at best, uh, overly greedy and evil at worst, probably somewhere in the middle, probably started making a few bad decisions. And then, you know, the whole DeFi thing, and just started, they were going riskier and riskier and riskier to, to give the money. So the, the point is, is that this whole thing starts unfolding and he's, and so you fast forward to where I enter the picture and we're figuring out, holy crap, this is a bad guy. When I found out he was trying to do a federal bit license, that was enough for me and I warned people. You can go back in September and I was telling people this was coming. Everybody laughed at me. That bit boy's crazy. He doesn't know anything. He's doing it for clicks. He's making this stuff up. And then I have this, I, I, I think it's around October 14th is when Sam Bankman Freed came out with his gigantic manifesto. It was like, I don't remember how many tweets, like 15 tweets about what he thinks politics needs to look like in the United States. And it all lined exactly up with what I had told everybody. I go on my show the next day and I say, Sam Bankman Freed is the devil. They memed it. They put it to hard, to, to heavy metal music. They made fun of me. They spread it around. Three weeks later, who's laughing? You, you know what I mean? October 29th, I tweeted, if you don't get your money off FTX, you're low IQ. I told, sorry, no offense if y'all off money on FTX. <laughs> if you're reading my tweets or you're watching my channel, we, we warned, we told everybody, I believe it was September 27th, get out of Solana, get out of FTT. Six weeks before it happened. Now, here's, here's a caveat. There was a tweet that I made later on where I said I didn't think FTX was insolvent. Because what I was working with, when I came out with all this politics stuff and people were listening, they were paying attention, all of a sudden all his enemies started sending me messages. I started getting all this information. Well, I was strictly focused on the project side. Nobody even talks about what he did to the projects. He destroyed ICP. Does anybody know what ICP is? I, ICP, people said it was a scam because it went from $700 all the way down to like a dollar. It was because Sam Bingman Freed and FTX and Alameda, they released perpetual futures contracts four days on FTX before it even had a spot trading price. And then they pumped it up to an unsustainable level with no settlement. There's nothing to settle it with. The coin's not even out yet. And they pumped it way up. And then as soon as it came out, they shorted it to the ground. And they did that to refinance. Refinance was the first project that actually said what was going on. This would have been in March of 2021. And we all laughed at them and we all called them a scam. They, they uh, extorted they extorted refinance. They told refinance. They said, they, refinance gave them 25% of the money for the market making. You, you know what they did? Alameda sold 100% of that 25% on Binance in an hour from when they got it. Okay? And so what happens is the price plummets and refinance is like, we're not giving you money. We're not giving the other 75%. You got to be kidding us. And they said, Oh, no, you are. You got a contract with us because these companies, when Alameda would sign them off, they were popping champagne bottles. 
They thought, we made it. Alameda, FTX, we've got the big money now. And then they would watch all their coins go to nothing. New Genesis, new coin, it's another project. They never traded for less than 33 cents. Within an hour of listing on Liquid Japan, which was an FTX-owned company, went to under a penny before it was even live to the public. This is the stuff they were doing to the projects. Nobody talks about this. Uh, Casper was another project they attacked. There are plenty of others. And so the point is, what I'm trying to say here, is that the story was right in front of us. We were working on a story with NBC. Gretchen Morganson is a, is a, 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 a high-profile writer for NBC, a, journal, a real journalist, not one of these internet journalists. And we, we were working with her on this story on this project side. And then all of a sudden, CZ front runs us. And we thought we had weeks to work on the story. We were aiming to come out with all this at the end of November. This is, we, we had the meeting about doing the article on October 1st. October 2nd, Coindesk releases uh, the, the balance sheet from FTX and shows that it's insolvent. And on, uh, I think it was November 9th-ish or between the 9th and the 11th-ish is when uh, CZ sold all of his FTT. I sent CZ an email and I said, I said, here's a list of lawsuits coming because there were projects lined up to sue, to sue FTX. I said, you better not buy that. You, you, you buy that. And you're, I, I'm sure you're going to look at the books, but here there, there was a ton of lawsuits that were already getting ready to get filed on projects behalf. And of course, I said on Twitter, I said, there's no way he's going to, TZ would buy it. He just wanted to look at their books. And of course, that's exactly what happened. So um, we, 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 the insolvency was so obvious to us. I, we were calling it a fake market. It was a fake market because they were counterfeiting coins. New coin is the last story I tell about these coins. New coin. They're, the guy who runs that, his name is Hussein. He, he, he is so smart. Well, the smartest guy in crypto just about that I've ever talked to. I've talked to some smart people. And their code for their coin has a serial number in it, okay? It's the equivalent of a serial number for every single individual coin. Well, one of the things that Alameda would do when they would ask for you to join their, their platform is they would say, hey, we want you to send us the source code. So everybody would send them the source code just as is. Well... Hussein thought that sounded a little funny. He's like, why do you need to see our source code to put our coin on your exchange? That don't really make any sense. It's because they would look at it and they would reverse engineer it and they would try, they would try to build it on the back end. They counterfeited the coins. They thought they would counterfeit the coins. We all know what paper Bitcoins, right? Everybody knows what, probably what a paper Bitcoin is. It's a Bitcoin that's settled in dollars. It's not settled in Bitcoin. It defeats the point of the supply, right? So they would settle all these contracts and, dollars, and they could just print as much as they want, but these were supposed to be backed by the actual coins. So what happens is, is there's an AI security system on this blockchain, this new Genesis blockchain. FTX, and he has literal audio phone calls of FTX admitting this. Dan Friedberg was behind the whole thing admitting this. They tried to send the fake coins back to the blockchain. Not even the real coin. They had the source code. They tried it. They made their own coins and they got confused and it didn't have that serial number. And they tried to send them back and they tried to send the fake ones back. And you know, if he was doing the counterfeit ones, they were doing it across the board. That's why self token never moved for Celsius, personal vendetta. It's going to come out at some point. I mean, there's millions of dollars of missing shorts nobody can find on FTX with self token. They counterfeited that self token and they destroyed. Sam destroyed Doquan, he destroyed uh, Terra, he destroyed Celsius, which in turn, you know, destroyed uh, Voyager, and of course we know 3O's capital, the whole thing. All of that started 
from this entire fake market the same bill. Crazy. So you were first on the ground in the Bahamas, and you've always asked the, the most difficult questions. What did you find out when you got there? And, and especially the connections with Tether and that gaming platform, the lawyer there that oh, was Oh, that's so fascinating. And as well, do I dare say this, the connection to the Ukraine? Tell us what you got. Whew, there's a lot There's a lot of stuff with the Ukraine stuff that hasn't even came out yet. So uh, I probably can't talk about some of that stuff yet until it becomes public. What I'll tell you is there's supposedly, people I've talked to, way more charges on the backside of this that have to do with actually like international espionage. There's, there's, there's registering as foreign agents. You guys, if you, if you do international business, you know you have to do stuff like that. There's a lot of conversations going around around a lot of these, a lot of the big players in FTX and a lot of the big people in Ukraine that nobody really knows about, but nobody did their job and, and registered and all that stuff that they were trying to get the Trump people for Trump collusion for. A lot of those people from FTX, they still have that coming down the road. Now, how long will that take? Who knows? But um, I, what happened is, there's my wife there. Honey, did you, did you say I could go to the Bahamas? No, she said I couldn't go to the Bahamas. I went to the Bahamas. I thought I said, honey, it's for the greater good. So here's what happens. Sam's been down there for three weeks in the Bahamas. And there's nobody, there's nobody down there. There's nobody covering the story. The police aren't down there. The FBI is not down there. This man, they say that the Alameda bubble, right? It's as much as $50 billion, because it's not just what they were in the hole. Of course, Bitcoin's gone up, so it shrunk a little bit, but at the peak, you're not talking about just Alameda. You're not just talking about customer funds and FTX. You're talking about BlockFi. You're talking about all of their $200 billion worth of investments, or however much it was. I think it was 200 companies. Can't remember what the total number of investments that went that high, but between all of these reverberations, you're looking at $50 billion potentially is the total hole that was left when it was at the bottom, okay? And so you, you're looking at all this and you're like, how in the world is this guy not in prison? Everybody sees it. And in the meantime, in the meantime, he's able to keep doing all kinds of, he's on Twitter. This guy is on Twitter and I'm getting pissed. I'm getting mad. I'm getting mad. Cause I'm like, I, I want to be very clear here. I never, we talk about my FTX lawsuit in a minute. That's a crazy story. I've never promoted FTX. I've never had a link for FTX on my channel, not an affiliate link, never. I did make a large purchase of FTT tokens at one point and made a video about it because everything same time turned to gold. When we all thought everything was good, we thought everything was good, you know? So, so I've never promoted FTX. I never lost a dollar on FTX. The story, a lot of people said, oh, he lost so much money, went down there against money. I just want to fight for the people. I want to find out what was going on. So I was actually supposed to come out here to Dubai for a fundraiser. We were going to do a fundraiser for our, um, our, our bill, we, but it, it was during the World Cup. So it was like, we, it, it was too crazy out here. So we ended up holding off, but I already told my wife, I was like, you know, we're leaving. We're going for Thanksgiving, like after, right for Thanksgiving, I'm leaving and going to Dubai. Well, the Saturday before we said we weren't going to Dubai, I said, honey, I talked to my security, one of my security guys, I said, you think we can go to Dubai? Well, I'll be, or, or do you think I can go to the Bahamas? Well, I'll be safe there. He goes, yeah, you'll be safe. I'll be with you. You'll be fine. I said, okay. So I go home. I told my wife, I say, honey, listen, I'm going to take security with me, but I got to go down to the Bahamas and find out what's going on. I got to go down there 
because that we had already made a joke earlier in the week. My, some people that worked with me was like, "You should go down there. Like, we can make it. You can make it funny." Because I'm look, I can, I'm a stand-up comedian. I can, I can tell you jokes all day. I'm very funny. The channel's very over the top. People know that. Uh, we they were like, "You should go down there and do it like a weather report. Like you're outside reporting and all this stuff." I'm like, I said no. I said people have lost everything. I'm not making a joke out of this. If I go down there, we're going down there for real. And I just want to know what's going on. And I wanted to gorilla interview him because if you, there were some scene, there were some videos passed around where he had been inside of the compound, the Albany compound. Has anybody ever been there? The Albany? So the Albany is basically like a, a closed off gated community with big condos, but there's villas, there's houses, there's restaurants, there's shopping. I mean, it's kind of like if you took any of these areas of Dubai and you just, like if you took the palm and you walled it off, that's kind of what, or the, you know, the palm Jumeirah, right? That's the palm tree. That's what it is. What's up with the island with all the, all the continents and nothing's on? Anybody ever going to do anything with that? I see it. Okay. 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 That one ain't supposed to be funny, but it's digress. So, so the point is, is that, um, I said, if I'm going down there, like I'm going down there serious. I have people warning me, people saying, oh, you're going to get killed. He's got the military run. I said, no, he doesn't. I saw him walking around in the compound running with a backpack. I'm like, this guy ain't got nobody with him. And so what we did is we did the equivalent of what I call throwing a digital sledgehammer through his window. That's exactly what we did. Nobody had been down there. Nobody had asked questions. Nobody had been in the compound. Within, within 30 minutes of landing in the Bahamas that day, I already had a team that was there 24 hours beforehand. Within 24 hours, we already had it in in the compound. So we, 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 we went in, I took a picture of his, everybody knew, knew what his penthouse looked like, so I took a picture of the penthouse, I said, hey Sammy, we're here, let's talk. And then we went to the restaurant, and we went to one of the restaurants there, we sat down, had a nice meal. The people that were down below, they're having a little conference, I don't know what they were talking about, but I'm very loud, and my voice is very recognizable, everybody says they hear me before they see me. And so people down there, they looked up and they're like, what is going on here? BitBoy is here, you know? People call me BitBoy, it's weird, but whatever. So we end up going to, we started live streaming outside of his penthouse. We live streamed outside of his penthouse. We did a Twitter spaces outside of his penthouse. And, um, you know, we, we, there were, they were looking through the window at us. Security eventually gets called. We were there for 30 minutes. I sat on top of his car. I took pictures of his Adderall bottle in his car. I took pictures of his, he had a brand new computer. He had documents, tons of, I could have opened the dang car door if I wanted to. I didn't want to break and enter, that's a little much, you know, especially in a foreign country, you know. So you mentioned a lawsuit, what's that about? Oh, this guy, let me tell you the connection. We're now, we, we, are, we are going to end up being completely unscathed on his lawsuit because I didn't do anything. There's a billion dollar lawsuit against creators that promoted FTX. Now, I want to be very clear here. I don't, I don't care if people promoted FTX. We all thought it was legit. Nobody, it wasn't like BitConnect. BitConnect, if you were around then, those YouTubers that got sued, I know one of them admitted in court. They knew it was a Ponzi scheme and they kept doing it. That's the problem. If you find this stuff out, that's why as soon as we found out, we start telling everybody. We didn't want anything to do with it. But I don't blame anybody on that lawsuit. The other eight creators, I don't blame them for promoting it. I don't think they should be sued for it. They didn't know the due diligence. Gary Gensler, the, who's supposed to be the toughest cop in the world, met with SBF and didn't know. Suppose. That's a lot of connections there with the politicians. A lot of connections. FTX, I mean, if, 
<clears throat> one is prone to conspiracy. It's almost like it's a controlled demolition of crypto in the U.S. right now. It, it seems like it. There's definitely a lot going on there, but I think a lot of people got caught with their pants down is what happened. Is they weren't, and you know this because of all the political donations. They didn't want all those political donations to come out. They didn't know, you know, a lot of those politicians, I know some of them personally, they didn't know that FTX was a scam. If they would have known it was a scam, they wouldn't all been so embarrassed. And that's why I still think Sam is going to prison. I think he's going to do at least 10 years. If he doesn't, I hear he's scared right now. Something doesn't happen while he's in jail. You know, he just went to jail. They just revoked his bond because of a VPN to watch a football game. That's American football. You can't convince me for my life that Sam Bankman-Fried has ever watched an American football game. You couldn't tell me. You couldn't tell me this man has never watched an athletic event in his life if it wasn't chess. Okay. That's, or League of Legends. He watches e-gaming probably. So what a lame excuse. But the, the, the point is, is everybody got caught with their pants down because they weren't expecting it to, to tumble. CZ is who caused it all. Now, it was all going to happen. It was going to happen much slower, though. They were going to try to control it. When CZ outed him and sold that FTT, that's when everybody got caught with their pants down. And I still don't think, I still don't think they, uh, they, they, they know what they're going to do. Um, but I want to finish my last one. What was the last point we were talking about before we, you asked that question? The lawsuit. The lawsuit. Here's, here's how they put me on the lawsuit. This is funny. Now, all eight of the other people, they did promote FTX. Here's how they put me on the lawsuit. And just so the lawyer knows, I'm suing the lawyer for defamation as soon as this is over. It cost me a job. cost me a lot of stuff. cost me a lot of bad publicity. Textbook defamation. I worked for a company. I, I did a video for a company, a sponsored video that I disclosed in 2019, I believe. This company put my logo on their website because previously worked with. I, you guys see those little things like, we've worked with this company, this company, this company. You ain't really worked with Apple, you know what I'm saying? Like, you were, you were a Google ad on the Apple website one time. That's kind of what it was. The same company in either 2020 or 2021 also had, they also had a... Um, a contract with FTX that I was no part of. I hadn't even worked for them in years at that point, right? And people on Twitter, they say all the time, oh, big boy, he does undisclosed promotions all the time. He's always doing these ads and not telling anybody. Never done a single one, not one, not a single one, not on Twitter, not on Facebook, not on YouTube, not one, because I was always smart enough to know this regulation stuff was gonna come around. And I learned that the 2017 YouTubers and before, they did it all the time. And I, I was pissed about it. Like, they were always doing videos. Now, not all of them. There's some good ones, obviously. But most of them are gone. There's not very few left. There are very few making regular videos left. And so that was kind of what got passed off to the next generation when I started. And so the point is, is they read some tweets on Twitter. People have accused me of stuff. They saw my name on the website. They found out that company at some point had a contract with FTX. And they sued me for a billion dollars. Can they collect? Uh, well, no, they can't collect, not a bear market, but <laughs> no, they, they, I'm not a billionaire, guys, okay? Uh, I'm not a billionaire. But the, the, uh, the, the point is, is that's defamation. You can't, you can't accuse him. And then he accused me of all this harassment stuff. He lied about it. That's going to come out when I come after him, too. He absolutely, he lied in the court. He lied under oath. This guy has lied, lied. I said, I said everything I said under oath in the courtroom. So we're going to end up getting over it. But th that's not the last he's going to see in me because let me tell you, when somebody comes for me and they put a little, little knife in my back, I remember it. 
I always remember it because you, you can't let people run over you in this business because when you do, you, can't, you also can't apologize for stuff you didn't do. You come out, you start apologizing for stuff. Oh, I'm sorry I ever talked about FTX. It's a major exchange. It's like saying I'm sorry about talking about Bitcoin or I'm sorry I talked about Binance one time. You can't let people do that. You got to stand strong. You got to be yourself and you, you got to have a backbone. People won't respect you unless you do. Yeah, I love that about you. Thank so you. So direct. And uh, you're pretty good at predictions. I mean, look at the US right now. It looks like crypto might get banned. And if that succeeds, what's going to happen to crypto globally, do you think? Well, they're going to have a lot more YouTubers in Dubai. <laughs> uh, you're coming over, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, to some extent. I'm, I'm trying not to move here full time because I've got kids that play baseball. And I don't know if they're good at cricket. I don't want to find out, you know? So my boys are phenomenal baseball players. And that really is like what, what holds me back. My wife will come over here. You know, I, I, I'm going to definitely come over here at least part time. And depending on how hot stuff gets in the United States, like, look, I don't know if you, I, I talk about this a lot and nobody international knows what this is. Does anybody know what the Salem witch trials are? Oh, yeah. OK. The Salem witch trials were, were in America in the 1700s, I think it was, where they accused all of these women of being witches up in the Northeast. And what they would do is they'd say and they did it like Germany, too. They did it over in Europe a little bit. They said, OK, we think you're a witch. All it took was one accusation. You're a witch. Right? You're a crypto criminal. Okay, pr prove you're not. Okay, well, how do I do it? I'll prove I'm not a witch. Okay, well, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we've got a couple different methods. You can choose. We'll either put you underwater for an hour, and if you survive, you're a witch. Or we'll put you at the stake and we'll burn you, and if you survive, you're a witch. What? Like, there's, where's the win in that? <laughs> like, like, can we just go with I'm not a witch, you know? And I'm, I'm, I'm nervous in America, depending on how our next election goes. I can tell you this, if the same president wins, who's a president today, you're about to see a massive flock of people for the United States over here. And if, if, if the other side wins, we only got two sides. <laughs> That's why it's such a scam in America, you know, everything's two sides. Crypto's politics now, why? Because you only got two sides, you one or the other. And so you're conservative, you're for crypto because you like capitalism. You're, you're, you're liberal. Now, it seems to make sense that all your government subsidies, your government assistant programs that they're so big on, it makes it a lot easier to pay them. They're all for uh, you know, redistribution of wealth. And what's bigger redistribution of wealth than cryptocurrency? Absolutely nothing. But the Republicans like it, so we hate it. You know, it's like, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Well, let do. me be a bit blunt. Like you're talking about capitalism, yeah. wealth redistribution. Yeah. What is the value? You, you say, what's the problem with crypto? What's the real value with crypto? At the end of the day, it's a zero-sum game where one person's gains is another person's loss. A big winner takes a lot of losers to fund that one big winner. Yeah. And, uh, and I have nothing against gambling. I have nothing against trading, forex, mm -hmm. or online poker. Yeah. <clears throat> I think crypto is a lot of entertainment. You know, it's fun watching you. But, <laughs> but. I, th I think there's a discussion to be had about crypto replacing the financial systems yeah. and what the value of that uh -huh. is. We're not there yet. We're not even close. Let me give you a great example. I was, and this is it's the kind of thing where, you know, anything you become an expert in, like I, I definitely, like back in 2017, 2018, nobody called themselves an expert in crypto. It was like, it was taboo. Like somebody said they're an expert. It's like, you know, throw them at the Salem witch trials, you know, but, but today, I'm an expert on fundamental analysis. Anything that happens in news, I know it. I cover news every single day. It's all that I do. I'm not a technical analysis expert. 
I'm not a development expert. I'm not a mining expert. I couldn't tell you how to mine. I, I'm better off doing a hard hat and going to West Virginia, you know, mining some coal before mining Bitcoin. I'd do that easier, you know. I'm not an expert in everything, but I know I know what I'm an expert in, right? And, and, and the point is, is it takes so long to really kind of get into understanding the ins and outs. And I'm still learning stuff, still learning stuff every single day about crypto. And the thing is, is that the, if you would have asked me in 2017, if you would have said, Ben, what, when do you think adoption is going to happen? Pfft, five years maximum, five years, total crypto adoption. Like, look, we got dApps now, Ethereum, ERC20s, Tron, you know, like, all these projects, blah, 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 blah. Well, you fast forward now, six years later, and you're like, Ben, you said five years. Yeah, guys, it's going to be like another 10 to 15. You know, the more you're in it, the more you understand it, the bigger you see the problems are we're trying to tackle. And still the tech is just not there. So here's a good example. I was at, I was at a decentralized science. Have you guys heard of decentralized science? It's amazing. Decentralized science is going to be something that is going to fix so many problems in this world, whether it's AI, whether it's transparency and funding, whether it's vaccine trials, whatever it is, it's all gonna be, oh, Pfizer isn't gonna be able to hide trials in the future. It's all gonna be transparent, right? And then of course, uh, it was also a longevity clinic, which is another big trend that's coming, not in crypto necessarily. There are some crypto ones, but the point is, is there was this project that was, that was up there that said, hey, you know, we, that, similar to this, it was a fireside talk, there were three of us up, it was a little panel. And they say, Ben, will you open your MetaMask and show us we're gonna send you an FT and we're gonna show you how this works. And the way it's supposed to work is, they were gonna send me an NFT, I was gonna get the NFT, they were going to send me some tokens, and then I was gonna take those tokens from my MetaMask wallet, send them to an, uh, an address that was linked to my NFT, it would superpower the NFT, and I could then take the value on the NFT, and I could go give it to a nonprofit organization. Like, a, a cancer organization or whatever it might be, an environmental association, whatever it might be. <sighs> Took almost 40 minutes to do the demo. I'm sitting there. He's like, okay, do you have money in your MetaMask? I had already told the person with me, I said, okay, I think I may need some Ethereum for this. I didn't have any Ethereum in my MetaMask wallet that was on my phone because I try not to keep crypto on my phone. And so I said, send me $20 in Ethereum so I got gas fees. So I had it and he goes, okay, you got some money for gas fees? I said, yeah, he said, Oh, cool. We're using Polygon Network. Yeah, Polygon, right? I said, I don't have any Polygon in my network. So I said, he said, okay, hold on just one minute. Let me send you the Polygon. So he sends me the Polygon. It takes about two or three minutes, you know? And then so we get the Polygon in there and we're good to go, ready to receive the NFT. Well, it takes forever for the website to load. The Wi-Fi's slow. <laughs> so we go, the Wi-Fi's slow. It takes five or seven minutes just to get to the website. So we're finally on the website. And of course, it's a blockchain website. So blockchain websites, they're kind of clunky, so it's slow. And so then we finally get to the website and I buy the NFT or he sends me the NFT. I've got it, I claim the NFT. Well, now it takes 10 minutes for OpenSea to actually show it in my wallet, to actually like for it to populate. Then the guy's got to send me the tokens. I got to go use another, and I'm just sitting there, I'm making jokes the whole time because I know the audience is sitting there like, because these are a lot of science people. These aren't a lot of crypto people. I was like, guys, this, they're watching on the screen. I was hooked up with my phone. This is how you know we're early. <laughs> if you had any questions of whether we were early in crypto, I think this demonstration just shows it. The tech is just not there yet. The centralized tech, 
It worked. Look at Solana. Solana worked great for a while. They could pause it whenever they wanted to. It was fast. You know what was fast? Because it's completely centralized. <laughs> like, there's, there's a reason. The ones that are super centralized, or excuse me, super fast, and the ones that are super energy efficient. The most energy efficient blockchains out there is because they're centralized. <laughs> like, once they get more decentralized, they're, then they're, they're going to deal with some issues there. The speed isn't quite there. So, until we get these platforms that are out there that are fast, that are decentralized. And here's the other thing. Where's the users? Where are the users right now? Your average person has no clue about crypto. The average person that was sitting in that demo walked away from that and said, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. I ain't spending 40 minutes to donate $86 to charity. That's crazy. Why won't I just send them my credit card? So the tech isn't there. When the tech is there and the things, and we don't need we have all these layer two or layer ones. We don't need all these. Like Ethereum, Cardano, okay. There's some other ones like uh, that I like. ICP, HBAR, Algorand. I kind of like some of those. There's a few other ones. Co Cosmos has got terrible marketing. It's got great technology. There's a lot of them that have great, great technology. Better technology than a lot of the other ones. Terrible marketing. You got some of them that uh, there's a lot of great stuff about them, but I, the, the people that run it, I don't like, you know? So there's only a few out there that are really working and Ethereum is really the only one. If you look at big investment funds, and some of you guys may work for them, all of the top coins they're putting money into right now, they're all built on Ethereum. You know, you're not, you don't have any coins that are built on pretty much anything else. Because Ethereum right now is the only show in town. And if we would stop competing, we just say, okay, we got three or four layer ones. Now, some of y'all may run a layer one, and I'm, I'm sorry if I offend you. But we just have too many. There's not, a, it's a supply and demand problem. There's not enough users to match all these chains. You know, these chains like Phantom and, uh, and, and Harmony and some of these smaller ones, they got really cool tech. Nobody's using it. So until people start using it, it's hard to see the value. Yeah, but supply and demand, you're talking about supply and demand on these protocols. The yeah. assumption is that the more adoption you have on one protocol, the coin is gonna go up. But the real demand for crypto is buying a coin and having it go 10, 100X, right? Like the volatility and there's a degree of, um, <clears throat> lottery to it right like if you well, just yeah, freaking um rename the crypto markets to being gambling you give them a gambling license and you have uh, trading on volatility you wouldn't yeah. really need this very tenuous sales pitch of saying that you have a tech in the back end that yeah. gives the coin value which sort of is like the blockchain industry for you well it's 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 one of the big problems we have in crypto is called the founder's dilemma uh, the founder's dilemma is we do it backwards in a lot of industries. We raise the money first. So you, you come up with your protocol. You say, hey, like, here's what we're going to do. You go to Andreessen and Hora, or a, you know, A16Z, whatever you want to call it. You go to Sequoia. You used to go to Three Arrows Capital before they were Zero Arrows Capital. And you say, look, I want to do this. I want you to invest in this. They're like, okay. Give us a bunch of tokens on the front end. When it launches, we'll sell them all. And then you can build it later. And you can, have, you can, make, you can sell your own tokens too and make the money. So these founders, they make all the money. Well, if I tell you I'm going to build a billion dollar project and then before I even start building it, I have a billion dollars, what is my motivation? And there's not. The way we raise money in crypto, same way that I was talking about decentralized science, the same way funding, research is funded in science, it's backwards. It's wrong. It, it should not be this way. You shouldn't be raising all of this money on the front end for these gigantic protocols when we've already got a zillion of them. We have way too many coins. I don't know if anybody's noticed this. Coin market cap stopped showing the number of coins they have listed as official coins on coin market cap. 
it was about 25,000 now in the bear market when the bear market first started. And when FTX went down, everybody said, oh, we're gonna see all these coins go out. There's, 20, there's about 21,000 on there right now. And man, by the time the bull market comes back, we're gonna be down to 200. We were at 25,000, 4,000 new coins. Now, they only actually list the details on a list of about 10,000, okay? They just changed it to include every coin ever known to man. Do you know how many it is? Anybody see the number? Does anybody know what they started putting it at? This is the most visited website in crypto, by the way, is coinmarketcap.com. 1.8 million coins. Is that laughable or what? Totally. We, we don't need all these freaking coins. Now, you have the meme coins. The meme coins are the lottery. Like, let's just be honest with it. The meme coins are the lottery. They serve no purpose. They don't do anything. They're completely community-driven. They're hype-driven. They're <laughs> investment vehicles for VC funds that want to pump them up to get money to do real projects with down the road. Okay, that's what they're using these meme coins are. And meme coins are easy to launch. You can go launch one in three seconds if you really want to. Now, getting the marketing behind it and the social experiment and stuff like that, trying to get people invested in it's one thing. But most of the coins, 99.999% of the 1.8 million are complete garbage. I think we probably have two to three to four to 500. If, if, when we were at the 25,000 number of legitimate coins that were kind of listed on CoinMarketCap, if you were to compare that to the dot-com bubble, 99% of those projects went away. If 90 or 99% of those, and some were ahead of their time. I love talking about this. Webvan and uh, pets.com. They were just about 30 years too early. We got Chewy and we got Instacart. So some of these coins are actually good ideas are just too early, right? Some of them are nonsense. Picking up garbage on the blockchain, you know, like selling your recycling in India for coins on the blockchain, like that's a little much, guys. You know, we don't need to get that specific. So the point is, is some of them are, but if you take the top, top 20 to 30 coins and you take out the stable coins and you take out the ones that collapse, like you take out Terra Luna, you take out, I don't know, I can't think of any other ones that collapse, that's the first one, self, self token, whatever. You take the ones that completely utterly collapsed and you just look at about, if you, on average, the last 20 to 30 coins in the last four years and you look at their volatility and then you go look at the volatility of NASDAQ there's a lot of those that aren't too much different. Exactly. That's what I get to. Like, yes. you know, crypto has really democratized the IPO scam. You know, like, what is an IPO? You hype up the, uh -huh. the value of a company yep. that is calculated on all future income mm -hmm. discounted to present value, and then you sell it to all the suckers and you exit. Yeah. Well, now you've got a million coins yeah. and you've made the IPO scam available to everyone. Yeah, exactly. But, but in a sense, here's the thing. So I understand that perspective. And, I, and, and there, on a certain level, I agree with that. But guys, there is a concentrated effort. I don't know if it's led by the United States, but it's certainly present in the United States to keep the regular person from being able to make the money the VC funds do. That's what they want. Do you know how much money the VC funds are making on these, on these uh, sales? Making 100X. 100x on these coins. And then they, once they start selling on the open market, people start buying them. Well, VC funds are all selling them. They're dumping it down to the bottom. Now, if you catch it back at the bottom, accumulate, that's a fine strategy to do. But the, the, the powers that be, the globalists, the elites, whatever you want to call them, I'm not going to get Alex Jones up here on you. I'm just saying, whatever you want to call the traditional people that control the traditional banking system, 
they just don't want normal people to make money like they do because every normal person that makes that much money, that's less money that's going in their pocket. So they want to destroy the system. Or they, or they, they, they don't like this. They don't like the fact that I can go from paycheck to paycheck to buying a Lamborghini in two years. They don't like that. They don't want that. Now, now a controlled amount is okay, but it's available to everybody. And we know this for a fact because in the United States, just this year, now in California, I have a state bill. My state, my state California bill is uh, SJR 16, I think it was called. It's how I first started getting into politics. Never got approved. We worked on a lot of stuff. It was to actually get rid of the accrediting investing laws in America. There's two things you must do in order to be an accredited investor in America, either or. You either have to have $1 million in the bank at one time, and you show them you're an accredited investor, or you get a financial degree. Now, they did studies that show, and this is part of the reason for our bill, is that the, for, for, um, uh, for different races in America, for blacks and Hispanics specifically, not necessarily for Asians, but for blacks and Hispanics specifically, it showed these people were going into debt drastically to get finance degrees. How does that make any sense? They're starting out as a financial advisor in $120,000 of debt. That makes no sense. So what they found is the disparity of that so what we try to do is we try to go in and think about the other situation. Like let's let's take someone who is, let's let's say someone who is a gambling crackhead, okay? Someone who you wouldn't trust with a dollar bill, but they get a dollar and they walk into the store, they get a scratch off lottery ticket, they win two million dollars. Oh, credited investor. Here you go, guys. A gambling crackhead, accredited investor, and you got people out there who know so much about finance that make tons of money in stocks. You can't even, it, it, I think there was like 25,000. If you don't have $25,000 in the stock market, you can't day trade or something crazy like that. It makes no sense. In America, just this year, we put out that bill, I think at the end of 2020, 21. This year, now you, the accredited number, a million, or the accredited investor number is $1 million. They want to make it 10. They want to make it 10 million in America. This year, they've been talking about it. That's the sham. The sham is, why is it that y'all get to have all the money and y'all control the system? And crypto is the antithesis of that. It's not perfect. It's got a lot of problems, certainly rife with scams. But guys, you ever, gone to, you ever got a spam email? Anybody got a spam email before? How many do you get? The email, any technology is rife with scams in the beginning and they get better over time. Now we got spam filters. Now there's still phishing problems. There's still problems with the internet. It's you know, 100 years from now, they're gonna look back, you know, we laugh, we, laugh, we joke, we say, oh, it's wild west of, the, uh, of uh, crypto. Guys, we're still in the wild west of the internet. This is, we're not even close to what this thing is gonna look like one day. We're gonna laugh at what we have now, so. So where do we take the conversation from here? What's gonna happen with Binance? What's gonna, I, I wanna get back to Dan Friedberg in a moment. I definitely wanna talk about that story because that story is, that's, that'll blow your mind, but Binance, I, look, I don't know, maybe there's somebody from Binance here. I can, I can only give you my personal opinion That's on Binance. That's the one I want. <laughs> my personal opinion on Binance is, was, and has always been, I think they're solvent. I think they're solvent. I think, if you want to know the truth, maybe they don't want to get audited because maybe, I love Binance, I like them. I'm looking at the camera, I love Binance. CZ, don't shoot the messenger. Maybe they got more money than they're supposed to have. Has anybody thought about that? Maybe Tether, maybe USDT. Maybe they have more money than they're supposed to. What I know is a tiny bank run crushed Celsius, it crushed FTX, it crushed Voyager. We've had K 
cameras falling everywhere. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to point that out. I did. I didn't mean it. Sorry. I was the kid that laughed at the kid that fell with the lunch tray. You know. Okay. Spider-Man wasn't around to save him. I don't know if anybody got that joke. Okay. So the the point is is that. Um, I think they have, they have, maybe they have more money than they're supposed to have, or maybe they have more assets than they're supposed to have, and maybe that's an issue. Binance has been attacked so much this year. I believe Binance are good actors. I think CZ's a good actor in this space, and I say this all the time. People think I'm a villain. I'm a villain in crypto. Me. I'm a villain all the time. People say it. The, they, they said I was bullying Sam Bankman Freed, and that, and that uh, I was, what was, it, what was the, the, the word? That, I was harassing him. Sam Bankman frees the good guy and I'm the villain. The guy, the $50 billion fraud guy, that's the hero. In crypto, so much of the time, the people that you think are the heroes are the villains. And the people that you point out and say, these are the bad guys right now. CZ's a bad guy, he's a bad guy, he's a bad guy. Oh no, he's one of the heroes. He's one of the good guys. He's fighting with the Binance Academy, what they're doing with Binance Academy, what they're doing with Trust Wallet. They're, Trust Wallet is self-custody. They're trying to do a lot of stuff with a lot of the companies they launched. You know, Polygon came out of, Matic came out of, of Binance Labs. A lot of companies came out of Binance Labs. And, or, or excuse me, the Binance Launchpad. Um, a lot of good projects. BitTorrent came out of there. So I think that, I think the thing is, is you just gotta keep that in mind. There's so much misinformation because there's no journalism anymore. It's all about who can I push to get a click? I'm that guy. You want to make fun of me on Twitter? People are going to love you because a lot of people don't like me. And I'm going, to, I'm going to give you my opinion every single time. I'm going to be honest about it. Eventually, I'm going to have an opinion you don't like. Maybe I've said one tonight. And you're going to be like, well, screw that guy. I'm going to be real. I'm just going to tell you what I think. I think Binance, I think CZ does the same thing. So they've been attacked so much socially. They, they got put on, um, on national TV and they were asking CZ about his audit and stuff. And he was like, we're fine. We're fine. I think we're good. I think we're going to be okay. And that turned into Binance is insolvent. They've had two different times where people bank ran at Binance. Uh, I think one was when Silicon Valley collapsed and, US, and USDC started falling. And I think a lot of people went over there. And there was another one. Maybe it was around the FTX time. I don't remember exactly. But there were two times in the last year that tons of people were withdrawing liquidity from Binance. And you know what? Didn't freaking flinch. Didn't flinch. And people have been saying Tether. Look, I don't, the people behind Tether, I don't really like them. Brock Pierce, sorry, no offense, I know he's gonna speak at your thing, don't really like him. Omni, Dell Tech Bank, don't really like him, okay? People have been saying that thing's gonna collapse. I hope nobody's here from there. If you are, you see you out of the parking lot afterward. <laughs> I'll tell you the same thing. Look, you, people have been saying it's gonna collapse, they've been saying since 2016 Tether was gonna collapse. Everybody and their brother is saying it's gonna collapse, gonna collapse, gonna collapse. People keep turning these tether grants, redeeming them. They keep printing more when the market's starting to get bullish. Guys, if tether was gonna collapse, I think it already would have collapsed. Look how little it took to crash FTX into Alameda. Look how little it took to crush Celsius and all of these other companies. It didn't take much. It took Bitcoin dropping to $17,000 to have three hours capital every single dollar they had. And of course, Michael Saylor had, you know, look at Michael Saylor. Michael Saylor's a great example. Has all of this Bitcoin, he got down to $17,000. He had to deleverage. He was able to deleverage that thing all the way down to $4,000. Bitcoin one guy dropped down to $4,000. The stop, the stop loss hunters were like, all right, we ain't never going to get it down that low. Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy, like, they're dropping the bucket money-wise to some of these companies out there. If you look at how much money Alameda spread around, it was a lot more than MicroStrategy had. 
So to me, a lot, I think, I think, and I can't, look, can't give you financial advice, can't tell the future. All I can tell you is based on my experience, on my 11 years in crypto, I believe, but I can't say for 100%, I think Binance, I think USDT, I think they're still gonna be around in five to 10 years. The Binance, Tether, I'll say five years, I can't project that for because of CBDCs and stable coins and stuff like that. But Binance, Binance is gonna be around. I would talk a little bit about crypto journalism. I consider you to be the most trusted source Thank in you. crypto journalism. That. And you know, this is an old quote from uh, Randolph Hearst. The only news is information that somebody doesn't want to see in print. And, yeah. and that's the problem you have with crypto journalism. Yeah. They're all paid off by these projects Absolutely. to hype them. So the only person left to trust is you. Yeah, well, you know, good thing I'm good looking and people like to look at me, right? Am I right, guys? There's my wife. She's not wearing the Gucci shirt, okay? So look, here, here's the thing. You got Coindesk. Coindesk is ran by Digital Currency Group. Digital Currency Group is kind of like the crypto mafia a little bit. Like they, they own they own so much stuff. They got their hand in everything. They got their hand in Ripple, which I actually like Ripple. They got their hand in, um, you know, uh, uh, Decentraland, the metaverse. They got their hand in, they were in Abra. I think Abra may have folded. I'm not sure. They had their hand in Abra. They had their hand in um, uh, Bray Browser, basic attention to it. Had their hand in everything. They bought Coindesk. Is that not a conflict of interest? If you have investments in tons of coins and different platforms in crypto, and you buy the number, well, it's actually the number two news organization in crypto. Uh, it, like, doesn't that sound a little strange? Now it's funny, I came back, when I really got deep into crypto, it was 2017. 2017 or 2018, Coindesk used to have a disclaimer at the bottom that said, we know, because I got on this trip of like, man, a lot of these places are being paid off. They had a disclaimer. If somebody can, somebody can find it one day and send it to me, I'll send you $500 because I really want, I want a copy of it. The disclaimer said, in this year, I think it was 2015, maybe it was 2016, Coindesk decided to be completely unbiased. They were going to stop doing paid promotions, okay? So I've always, for years, I've been like, Coindesk doesn't do paid promotions. I remember reading that. I saw it. So I don't know if you guys know Crypto Wendy O. She's she's one of my best friends. We have a we have a podcast together. We came into crypto together. We've been we, we've been full time like the, the same amount of time. And um, you know Wendy Wendy told me one day she said, wait wait, you think Coindesk does these sponsored articles? I said, yeah I know they don't. I've, I've read it. He said, I don't know. They pay all kinds of people. I went to the website and I started digging through. Gone without a word. Most likely when Digital Currency Group bought it. That's probably when that change was. I don't know if anybody can find that change. But they pay, people pay all kinds of money to put stuff out. And what they'll do is they'll put a little tiny disclaimer at the bottom. And then some of them, like Cointelegraph, Cointelize, I call it. Cointel I told the, the editor-in-chief, I met her in person. I said, she said, yeah, Oscar introduced me. He said, he said hey, this is uh, this, the CEO or this new editor-in-chief of Cointelegraph. I said, oh, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Ben. I work with Bill Crypto. I call you Cointelize, just to be clear. <laughs> like, well, because I didn't want to be fake. I didn't want to pretend like, oh, so nice to meet you. Let me kiss your ring. Like, you're cool. Like, say the good things about me. Like, no, I'd rather say it on the front end and be like, look, if you look into me, you're going to find out. stabs you in the chest. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd much rather be stabbed in the chest than the back. And so, and, and so, you know, I just told her, you know, I was hoping she had a little rebuttal and she just kind of put her head down and walked, you know. So, so a lot of people don't know this about Cointelie, as I will still call it. Number one, it was started by a guy, Grisha Fishman, or... or yeah, Grisha Fishman. Nobody knows this guy exists. Try to look into the beginnings of Cointelegraph. Try to look into the beginnings. 
Has anybody ever done it? Does anybody know how Cointelegraph started in this room? Almost nobody knows. I only know because I know two people very closely that worked at very high level positions here. Christian Fishman is an early Russian Bitcoin mining whale. That's what he is. He started this as a way to pump Bitcoin. And then of course, as the new coins came on the market, they used it to pump those coins. Try to look into the beginnings of Cointelegraph. You will not find it. What company that's the number one, is the number one news publication in crypto. It's the number two most visited site, or at least last time it, what I checked, maybe Binance has passed it now. But back in like 2019, 2020, last time I was looking at these numbers, the number two visited site overall behind CoinMarketCap, which of course Binance owns right now. And you've got no way of how this company was founded? What? Every single employee at Cointelegraph, first of all, a lot of them are fake. A lot of those names you see, they're fake. They're not real people. The CEO of the company is a 1099 employee. Isn't that a little weird? A 1099 employee for the CEO? There's not a single person on that payroll, not one. And so what happens is, is they 10,000, they got their price list out there. And, and like I said, I mean, look, I used to do sponsored videos for projects. Stuff. I don't do it anymore because I feel like it's a bad business model. I don't, and anything that has a price that changes, we don't, we don't take money to promote on my channel. We quit that, like January of 2022. It's almost been two years since we did one. Like, you know, 2021, we did some, like I said, we got, we kind of got scammed. We trusted too many people. We learned the lesson, okay? And so we don't do that stuff anymore. They still do it. And it's funny, nobody attacks them. Project after project after project that gets promoted for $10,000 minimum on coin, uh, times are hard. Maybe they lowered it. Used to be $10,000 minimum, get on Cointelegraph, rug pull after rug pull after rug pull after rug pull. And there's a lot of documentation from the inside that they've been covering it up for years and years and years. These are the two websites that people come to when they enter crypto. Yeah, but isn't that the problem with crypto then? I started reading your book and uh, you open up talking about Jim Cramer and mad money. Imagine yeah. if he had a referral link and was getting money off of his bad advice, right? Yeah. It's the same problem with media, with the influencers. Everyone is there to hype up the, the value of the... Well, you, you get into a very interesting conversation there because, I mean, isn't that anybody's job in marketing for anything? Uh, absolutely, and that's what I'm, I'm sort of like yeah. standing up for my friends at Cointelegraph here. It's like yeah. uh, they, uh, they're just doing what the business model is. Well, that, like I said, it only took me about two, really one good year of looking at that business model and saying my people are losing. I care about my audience. I care tremendously about my audience. That's what I want to get at, because I think they you don't, can't have a don't. functioning market. I mean, capitalism depends on complete information, transparency of information. And right. But you have, you have brand, you have, go look at the coins that they're promoting. Go look at what they're promoting. I guarantee you, if you guys go look at the last 100 paid press releases from Cointelegraph, you're not going to recognize a single one. You've got brand deals out there. You've got exchanges that would gladly put banners on there. But the problem is they're too greedy. They're too greedy. It's not enough. Their staff is gigantic. A lot of people don't know. They just fired half their staff. Half their staff at Cointelegraph got fired last year. They couldn't even pay them their severances. Couldn't even pay them their severances. They're too greedy. They're keeping too much money at the top. Nobody knows who's in charge of it. Like, to me, that's a little sketchy.
when nobody knows actually who's behind it and who founded it and who's running it, to me, that's a conflict of it. That's not transparency. And the whole space is about transparency. So the you first rule of crypto is not asking where the money's from. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, so it's all free, right? It's free money, I thought. But I thought it was free. I right? give you fake money, you give me real money. <laughs> okay, now how much are you going to pay me to stop talking about Cointelegraph? Slide it over, slide it over. Okay, now you got, but, now, but, but let's, let's move on. Like, Cointelegraph's got its own issues, okay? I, I haven't ever trusted it from the day I met it. When you look at the block, so the block was like supposed to be kind of a good guy. Like, the block is out there like, hey, you know, we're not Coindesk, we're not owned by DCG, we're not owned by Cointelegraph, we're out here like, Try to put out real news. Decrypt is another one. And actually, I think I like Decrypt. Like, I think Decrypt does a pretty good job until whatever I find out about them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know anything about them now. Alameda paid $27 million in hush money and manipulation money to FTX. There's no transparency in the space when it comes to the news. And this is why when I, you know, we got like these four areas that we talk about, the public awareness, the policy regulation, the, um, uh, the crypto education, and the transparency in news. These are our four pillars of adoption that we talk about a lot. Like there's no transparency. You're never going to have unbiased news, okay? And I would really push back. There's a lot of ways to make money in crypto without doing paid press releases for rug pulls. There's a lot of ways to make money. You may not be able to make as much money, and you may not have, you may not, I guess what? You may not need the staff that you have. You may not need that many people because you're just pumping out all these articles these people are paying you for. Like maybe if you just went down to, to 10 writers and your corporate team and your illustration team and your marketing team instead of 100, like you might make the same amount of money at the top potentially because you're not having to pay so many people. But, but the point is, is like, when, what's really interesting, nobody's done this before. No, nobody that I know has done this. And I want to do this one day. I'm, one day I'm going to tell one of my researchers, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm tired of talking about it. Go do it. To go look in 2021 and find the coverage of FTX, find the coverage of FTT, find the coverage of Solana, and then compare that to the coverage of all the other layer ones and all the other exchanges out there on the block. Because I guarantee you that $27 million paid for a lot. Because now we're not talking about, with, with, with Cointelli, with, with their, with their uh, paid press releases and stuff. Now, the intentional, the intentional covering up of rug pulls, I, I think that's hard to defend. Coindesk, okay, well, conflict of interest of people that bought it, okay. They bought their sponsored stuff, okay. $27 million in bribe money? Like I think that's we could all draw the line right there and say, we we can all sit here and argue and we can say this is a bad actor, this good actor. I'm a bad actor to some people. I'm a good actor to some people. You're probably a bad actor to some people. You're a good actor to some people. It's like my dad always told me. My dad did construction. He said, he my dad did trim. My dad like do do the trim up here, you know, or, or down there. Like how's it immaculate? Awesome. He's the most unbelievable carpenter you've ever met. Best carpenter since Jesus. I don't know if I talk about Jesus here, but whatever. Okay. The point is, my dad told me. He said, is that son? Something you got to understand. I've been in this business a long time. He said to somebody out there, you are the greatest trim man who ever existed. And for every one of those, there's somebody that says you're the absolute worst and they hate you. And that's how it is in crypto. Everybody has a gauge of who you like, who you don't like, who's a good actor, who's a bad actor. But there's some stuff we draw the line on. And we say, a $27 million bribe. Now, I don't know if Technically, the word bribe, I don't know if it has to only mean government, but a $27 million payment 
of hush money that nobody knows about from a crypto company to a crypto news publication, I think we would all in this room, unless you're the person that sent it, I don't know if that person is in here, like if we would all agree that's wrong. And so the, there's things in the space that we need to clean up, but that doesn't mean that we say, well, well, you know what? There are some problems in crypto. Let's throw the baby out with the bathwater. We got to fix those problems. And the good news is, like I said in the very beginning of this, is that the tech is not really there yet. So we still got time. We don't, we don't, by the time the adoption truly kicks in, now some things are getting adopted, of course. There are some things that are, you know, moving forward, NFTs, some NFT stuff, um, you know, some supply chain tracking stuff. There's some enterprise blockchain stuff. There's definitely some stuff that's moving, you know. Uh, California approved moving their some of their uh, permanent records over to blockchain, which was a big deal for them. It was medical records, not medical records, it was uh, death certificates, marriage certificates, and I want to say property deeds. I can't remember the third one. It may not be property deeds. But, so we got some progress with blockchain, and it's not just cryptos. California's big on blockchain. They're not big on crypto. But they really... You know, Gavin Newsom, who, you know, he may run for president, who knows? Like, he's actually very bullish on blockchain. Um, but, you know, obviously, because of a lot of the scams and, you know, the bear market. If it's not bear market right now, we're not having these conversations. Y'all know that. The conversations are, adoption's here, you know? If you don't realize, it's going to go back down. It does that every four years. So I think there, there's a lot of things to look at, and there's a lot of things that we're doing right. There's a lot of things we can do better. The, the important thing is that we, we all who care about the space, if you care about anything in life more than money, I met with a guy here in Dubai a couple weeks ago. Horrible freaking person. Couldn't. I, he, he told me after, after this conversation, he said, no, he texted me, he said, no one has ever disrespected me the way you disrespected me. Yeah, because you're the enemy. You're the guy I hate. You're, you're the exact guy that only cares about money, that wants to, he says, Facebook's business model and privacy money and getting all your data is a great business model. We should all steal everybody's data. What? If you don't think Facebook is evil as a company, then I can't have a conversation with you. And I, if you think Mark Zuckerberg has done good for the world and not ruined generations of privacy for people, I'm sorry, you're not my kind of person. We ain't gonna get along. We might meet in the parking lot. Well, I'm sorry, I'm in Dubai, I'm not allowed to fight. Unless it's sanctioned. I think we got a sanctioned fight here, a UFC fight coming up one day. Maybe we can get in the ring. But the point is, is I care about people and I want everybody to succeed. And you got these people out there that are just, all they care about is the bottom line. And if that's all that you care about, go run a Ponzi scheme, who cares? Do it somewhere you won't get caught, who cares? But for people that actually care about decentralization, about the future of humanity, the future of the world, this is the technology that's going to free us or enslave us. And it's on all how we use it and all how we take these people like Sam Bankman freed and we say, that's the guy we got to keep out of crypto. And we do our best to keep those people out and to, to have, like I said in the beginning, the regulation, what Sam wanted to do. I told you guys, I'm willing to give, I'm willing to give staking to, to the SEC in the United States. Third-party staking. I'm willing to give companies like Celsius before they collapsed, staking uh, the, the YBA account that they had at, at, at FTX, whatever. If you're guaranteeing returns on staking and you're not on chain, I'm going to give that to the SEC. Kind of sounds like security to me, to be honest. To be honest, it does. Secondary market? That doesn't sound like security. It's utility. Some people are buying Ethereum literally because they need the gas. They're buying it for a reason. So there's some things that we can give up, and then there's other things like, 
Look, privacy, like 100% privacy? Bitcoin's not private. Anybody who's been around for any amount of time can tell you that. Chain analysis ruined that a long time ago, right? But the ideals of privacy, the ideals of self-sovereignty, the ideals of, guess what else? Guess what comes with self-sovereignty? Personal responsibility. It's not just personal freedom, personal freedom and personal responsibility. If you get rug pulled, sorry, it's your fault. If you connect your wallet to a third party and you get fished, sorry, it's your fault. You gotta learn the balance of both. And I think that's where it comes on us as content creators and educators to really get people up to speed with that and let people know. So my, my Twitter account was hacked. Like so I got a SIM card swapped about two months ago. There's a lot of surprises coming there down the road, by the way. But the point is, $400,000 got sent to, a, to an Ethereum address that someone pretended they were doing a token on my account on a Saturday night when my uh, account got hacked. I told all the people that lost money, I said, look, we're gonna eventually try to do an NFT. We're gonna try to, to, to raise the money and we're gonna take that money. If we raise more, that's great. We'll figure out something productive to do with it. We're gonna try to raise the money to give all those people their money back. But they're gonna have to pass an education security course before we give them their money back. And I, I'm not responsible for that. I, nobody took my crypto, you wanna know why? Because I'm responsible, I had good, good security. Now, the SIM card swapping is done from the inside. You can't stop it. There is supposedly one company that can put a lock on it that even the major cell phone carriers can't change. I'm looking into that. But the point is, is my security, all my, none of my crypto got touched. Tons of people lost FTs. Tons of people lost money. I keep telling them, it's the tough message. It's, I'm so sorry you lost your money. But it is your fault. That's the personal responsibility. You got to do both. You can't have one without the other. And I think that's another one of the balances we got to really try to strike. I mean, like the whole drive for decentralization, what you're getting at is truth and freedom. Absolutely. I never heard about anybody getting their bank account hacked and losing all their money. And I never heard about so many scams as you find in crypto. Like in many ways, it's like countering the movement. You never heard of that many scams on the internet? You, you, you don't remember the days of the, of the pop-ups and the viruses and how you couldn't even go to any website without a zillion, pop, you had to get your pop-up blocker, right? What about, what about old people telephone scams? That's been going on since the beginning of the world. I would just argue that right now, it's a lot more accessible for us to know about this stuff. Guys, people have been, people have been scamming since that, that thing told Eve to eat the apple, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, never gonna end. It's, it's never, never gonna, gonna end. end, but I mean, you gotta, you gotta plug the opportunities for it, right? I right, mean, yes. Like, um, but I, I wanna hear your thoughts on CBDCs. I mean, that's a dystopia waiting to happen. Uh, yeah, for sure. So to me, now in America, there's a lot of people talking. You got Tom Emmer, you got Ted Cruz, you got Ron DeSantis, they're all on the Republican side and they're all against CBDCs. And I was saying, we don't want these. Now the, the liberals, of course, it's control. They want it. They want to control everything over there. So they want to control everybody's bank account. Because if you disagree with them, they call it hate speech. And they make sure you can't spend your own money. Uh, central bank, digital currency, of course, is what we're talking about. We've got the digital yuan that's already popped up over in China. Huge failure, by the way. Uh, they, they did the testing and they said it was awful. Everybody hated it. But, you know, America's kind of turning into China. So the leader says, you're going to use it anyways. And they use it anyways, I guess, is, is the way it works over there. Um, but a lot of issues with it, lots of they'd rather stick. So I, I think we're still look good. Well, I said three to five years ago, probably two years ago. So I don't know. We're probably one to, you know, one to three years, one to four years now from digital dollar hitting the United States. We're, we're one pandemic away, guys. <laughs> like we're one manufactured pandemic away from going to CBDCs. I think the important thing is not will we have CBDCs? Because look, 
I'm a beacon of freedom. I'm very conservative. Like I, I, I like self sovereignty. I want to. I, I like autonomy. Like you know, I went to. Uh, anybody know when they had this uh, this thing at Disney World where you could go on the Star Wars intergalactic cruise? They closed it down. It was a cruise in space where you sat in a building the whole time. I hurt my leg right before I went to it. I had to go to the doctor. They didn't want to let me off off the ship. I'm like, we're just a building in Orlando. What do you mean? They're like, you're on the cruise. I'm like, guys, I'm not really in space. Can I go to the doctor? You know, they finally let me go. Point is, I don't like to feel caged. <laughs> you know, like I like to feel like I can go where I wanted to go and do what I want to do. And there's people that love that. There's other people that could care less about it. CBDCs are the opposite. They are certainly control, surveil, they call it the, uh, there's one lady I will watch talking and she was amazing. I watched this AI documentary and she called it, she called it, you know, you had the industrial revolution. Can't remember what she called the second one. She said, we're now moving in to the surveillance revolution where corporations and the government just spy on every single thing that we do. It's getting back to the Facebook thing. We're, net, we're, we're you know, they, they steal our data. And it's like, you look at the world we're living in, this surveillance state, and you know, blockchain's our only way out of it. It's a Pandora's box. Blockchain's the only way out of this. Doesn't mean we're gonna win. Doesn't mean that, we're, doesn't mean that, that eventually we have no freedoms. We, we might have no freedoms one day. But blockchain transparency is our only, it's our only source out of this. There's nothing else that exists that promotes transparency, okay? CBDCs are private and they don't promote privacy. They, they, promote, uh, they promote government control. They promote capital controls. They, they promote, uh, so, uh, you know, like everybody's scared of the, uh, the social scores, you know, your social score. You know, has anybody seen that Black Mirror episode, Nosedive? It's a good one and it's scary how fast we've been slipping towards that where everybody's fake because everything's a Yelp review. Every interaction's a Yelp review, you know? Like, actually, you know what? I didn't like the way this guy was wiggling his thumb at me. You get negative four stars, you know? Like, that's how it goes. You know what? I didn't like when, when Oscar pushed back on that question. I didn't like when he said Cointelegraph might be good. I didn't like that. He's not gonna know, it's anonymous. One star, you know? Like, like, and now you get a certain amount of stars. You get lowered. Now you're not allowed to spend your own money, okay? You're not allowed to spend your own money. That's what people are scared of. Now, look. This is another one of those things, this is the give and take. I think that if we put proper regulation in place ahead of time, we can solve a lot of the problems. Now, what I was told from the inside, from the people in Washington, was they said, look, they said, you can, you can come up with this regulation for CBDCs, because it's what I want to start working on after our Digital Asset Commission bill that didn't go anywhere, thanks Sam. They don't want to touch anything crypto now. But the point is, is that I, I want to start working on CBDC regulation because it's terrifying what might happen. But if we get ahead of it and we solve some of the problems on the front side that prevent them from coming in on the back side, then we'll be okay. But basically what I was told is, ah, you can do that. That'll probably work. You got to make it seem like a no brainer. You got to make it seem like everybody on the other side's evil. But you only got to be able to get that for about 10 years. And then they're going to start clamping down. Eventually, we're probably, unless we have complete revolution around the world, which is possible, which is certainly possible. We've seen it. We saw the Roman Catholic Church fall. You know, you saw the Roman Empire fall. You saw the Mongolian Empire fall. You saw gigantic empires. The only difference is the world wasn't connected like it is today. And so you kind of have to have, like, everybody pushing back against this stuff to be able to make changes. 
um, instead of a country at a time, which it is possible, and a lot can change in 10 years. So if we can buy 10 years, okay, I'll take 10 years. Who knows what'll happen in the next 10 years? Maybe aliens come from outer space and tell us that, you know, who knows what they'll tell us. But don't you think that <clears throat> the real danger is if they completely face out cash, so you can't pay using any other. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. that's so, the risk, not CBDCs in and of itself. So, so a lot of people think, what's really interesting is, if you just talk to the common person that's kind of new to crypto, they're like, ah, oh, fiat money's the devil. Well, but the thing is they don't say fiat money, they say cash. And you're like, no, actually like cash and crypto are cousins. They're not that far apart. It's, it's fiat and crypto that's so much different. Unless, you know, you got, you got some of these coins that have on, you know, they can mint as many coins as they want forever. As long as there's a controlled supply, it's similar to cash because there's only so much cash. They do have to print more, but when cash was backed by something, they couldn't just do that like they can now. Fiat currency is the scourge of humanity. It's the worst system that was ever set up. My fifth grade teacher could have told you, this is idiotic, you know? Because I asked her, I said, Miss Smithyman, that was her name, Miss Smithyman. She told my mom she raised a circus clown. Remember that, Miss Smithyman, wherever you're at. YouTuber wasn't invented yet. I just had the wrong job. But Ms. Smithyman said, I said, why can't you just print money? Why can't we got a, a mint in the United States? We just go and we print money. He said, well, it doesn't work like that. There's supply and demand. Somebody needs to tell our government that. <laughs> you know, like, like there, was even, there was even a politician in our government who came out and he said, we need to change the definition of fiat currency because it makes it look bad. That's because it's bad. <laughs> like it's not rocket science to figure out, you know? So the cashless society, I made a video several years ago on this that nobody watched because nobody used to watch my channel. It's a great video though about some of these countries that are moving over to cashless societies and how cash is not our enemy in crypto. We need to try to keep cash around because God forbid, you know, like all of our, our you know, who knows what'll happen, EMP, I don't know, like your Bitcoin's still gonna be there when it comes back on, but you might need cash one day. But the bigger problem is, they just want to track every single dollar. Now, the crazy thing is, now that we moved to the surveillance state, it's not just the government. Why, why do you think your grocery store has a rewards card? They want to know every single thing you buy. And of course, it all leads back into the real, the real villain, the real scary thing in the world, which is AI. You know, like we love AI because AI's cool and it's going to do a lot of stuff for us, but you know, AI tracking you is going to be way different than what we're at today. You know, facial recognition, they already have it in China. So, so I know a guy who, um, uh, he got into a physical altercation with a celebrity at an NFL football game. He ends up getting escorted out, and he thinks the guy that he got into the fight with, it's a famous actor, I won't tell you who it is. He thinks the guy is coming back for round two. He turns around and he punches a guy. It's a cop. <laughs> he punches a cop square in the face. He is permanently banned from NFL football games in America. Now that's, some of y'all call it hand egg maybe, I don't know. Point is, one day he shows up to the stadium because he's like, hey, like, they're not gonna know who I am, you know? I remember when I, was, when I was younger, like me and my brother got into a fight at a park. I was like 18, he was like 15. They banned me from that park. I wasn't allowed to play to play sports at that park anymore. Well, you know what I did? Grew a mustache. <laughs> I came back in and I played. I didn't cause any more problems. I didn't cause any more problems. I made my brother stay home. 
So, uh, but now with that facial recognition, he showed up at that football game. And you know what? Somebody came up to him that knew him and said, from the security team and said, they're looking for you, you better get out of here. They have facial recognition in all the NFL stadiums. They have, they have clear, clear, like in the Boston Red Sox game, we went to a Boston Red Sox game. We went to a playoff game, like, um, you know, I'm an Atlanta Braves fan, go Braves, if you know anything about baseball. But we went to just visit uh, Boston and we wanted to go see the, you know, the stadium, the big green monster, they call it, you know. And we go there and the line was so long to get in. I said, honey, there's clear. Like, we, you know, and you kind of pick and choose. You can pick and choose your battles, right? Like, there's some cryptocurrencies, for instance, that I don't support because I don't agree with their philosophies. Polkadot's one of them. I don't support the guy behind Polkadot as far as I can throw him. Ripple, a lot of people don't like Ripple. They call it the banker coin. I do support it. And I can give you my reasons. I can give you my philosophies. Some stuff, I don't support. I don't like WorldCoin. I don't like Sam Altman. If you guys are familiar with what he's doing, of course, he's buying ChatGPT. But clear, they already got your face at the airport. They already got your face. And I, I fly a lot. So for me, that one thing is worth the convenience. There's other things I'll fight against, right? I'm not going to get a vaccine for a hot dog, you know? I'm not going to get my retina scan for a $10 gift certificate for a burrito. Like, I'm not doing that, but clear makes my life a lot easier. We're at the Red Sox game, there's clear. We gotta go right in the stadium. We didn't have to show our ticket or nothing. They just scanned our eyeball, our name was on the ticket, boom. Maybe we had to show a ticket, I can't remember, but whatever it was, we gotta go past everybody because you're on, a, you're, on, you're basically if you're on clear, you're kind of on a watch because they know who you are. If you walk into the stadium, you're not supposed to be there, they're gonna know. So this stuff is going very fast. Now, what happens if uh, you go to your grocery store and somebody accuses you of stealing something because you got your basket, like you, you're in the self-checkout? This has probably happened to everybody at one time in your life. You get to your car and you go, oh, crap, I forgot to pay for this. This one thing, maybe out in your pocket, maybe it was a drink, maybe it was something that, uh, you know, I don't know, like uh, one time I bought, I bought a, 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 a Tupperware container. I had two of them. I didn't realize there was something stuck in the middle of them. And so I left, I didn't pay for it. Well, you know, it could, depends on, you know, I don't know if y'all know the, the, the shopping cart test. Anybody know the shopping cart test? Is someone a good person or not? It's like, and I see these people too. I see them all the time at this store. Yeah, I'm never gonna leave a shopping cart out. I don't care what the story is. If it's monsooning, if it's thundering and lightning, like I don't know if y'all have, y'all have regular shopping carts here? Okay, if I'm in the middle of the parking lot, I'm gonna walk that thing inside or I'm gonna put it where it needs to be every single time. If I see one rolling around, I'm gonna go stop it. And they say supposedly, supposedly. If you're the kind of person that does that, you're a good person. If you're the person that just, ah, it's kind of cold outside, so I'm gonna let my cart roll into somebody else's car. Like, that's kind of the test. Well, it's kind of the same thing. Like, if you take something from a store and you go back in and pay for it, you're probably a good person. You go ahead and take it. You're probably like, well, the convenience isn't worth doing the right thing, right? I, everybody has probably at some point accidentally taken something from a store and not paid for. Guess what? You're banned from that store forever. What if Walmart, what if you had five things and you just, you're scanning them across the self-checkout and you don't, you don't have Walmart here, whatever you have, you're scanning it and one of them just doesn't ring up and you don't realize it. Now facial recognition says you're a thief, you're never allowed in the store again. This thing can go down there. It's a very slippery slope when we start talking about Yeah, we saw those. that during COVID, that's for sure. Um, well, yeah. <clears throat> so let's I'll have some no questions. I made no comments on COVID. <laughs> I have my own thoughts, you know. Let's take some questions from the audience. Uh, May 21. You put out a video calling the top of the market in November. 
which was bang on. Mm -hmm. So, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I wish I would listen to my own advice. We didn't pull our money out. I wish yeah, we would have. Good advice. Thank you. Thank you. Um, where do you see? Where would you say we are now in the market? Uh -huh. Where do you see us being in another six months? Yeah, so I think we kind of have two scenarios here. Um, now, I'm, I'm a, I call myself a four-year cycle fundamentalist. The, the four-year cycle has been very good to me. I predicted the bottom in November of 2022, a year beforehand. Because Bitcoin, the way that it moves, is like clockwork. And until the clock breaks, why would we start trying to, to say, well, I think it should say three at this time, but let's go ahead and call it 7 p.m. Like, that doesn't make sense. One day, the Bitcoin halving cycles will not affect it as dramatically as it does. But for me, looking, looking at the way the cycle is going, so, so we have the four-year cycle, but we also have this thing called diminishing returns, which is every four years, with Bitcoin specifically, we get a smaller percentage increase over the previous all-time high. So you go back to 2014, I think the all-time high was like 1100, maybe it was 1100, somewhere around there. Um, and then you have 2017, the high goes up to uh, $20,000. Then in 2021, it goes, so, so it went like, you know, 1100 to 20, that's like a 20X. And then you go from 20,000 to 70,000, that's a three and a half X, right? So if you were to follow that same line of thought, I mean, Bitcoin ain't gonna get over $105,000. If that's what we have and we get the same kind of thing we've got there, which actually I don't think we're going to see, I think we're going to look at the second option, then what I see is, I see we're going to continue going sideways for a couple months, not financial advice, of course. I think we're going to go sideways, just based on history, sideways for a couple more months, quarter four of this year, October, moving into November, the price is going to start going up slowly but surely. Maybe we'll be at 35, 40K by the end, it's potential. And then we'll probably go sideways for a little bit. What made 2020 what's so interesting was we had the black swan, we had the pandemic in the middle of what should be a long period of sideways action. So what happened is in, in January of 2020, things started moving up. And then in February, you started hearing the whispers of COVID. And then by March, you got that crash now. now Technically not a double bottom, 3,200 in December of 2018. Uh, May, uh, uh, March of 2020, you get 3,900, but essentially almost a double bottom. You got the wind down. So I don't think we'll see that again, hopefully. You know, they're, they're selling vaccines on CNN last night, so who knows what they're planning. But, um, you know, I, I, generally what we should see, we should see the market move 30, $40,000, then maybe pump up to like 45,000, heads in the halving, maybe 50, then come back down. Last time, every time the, the, the drop of the halving moves a little bit earlier, the drop of the halving during the last time actually dropped the day before the halving. And the day of the halving, it actually went down. The year before it was, the, or the four years before it was opposite. So generally what we're looking at, I think probably the middle-ish beginning of April is where we're gonna get the halving. So I think we're probably gonna see a drop from 45 to 50-ish back down to about 35, 40, go sideways for a couple months. We're projecting all-time highs for Bitcoin, and the and now when I say all-time highs, I just mean beating the previous all-time high. So beating seventy thousand dollars, we're looking at probably the middle to the end of December, uh, similar to the last time um, of, of 2024, and then the market booming and the summer being the peak of the cycle. Which, you know, if 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 you look at the diminishing returns, I mean, y you say it was a. 20x and then it was a three and a half x 
And then the time before that, it was insane, whatever it was. I don't even say the number, it was so high. Okay, well, that means we're due for like a 1.5x. So maybe Bitcoin gets to 105, 120. But we know that $100,000 is a huge psychological number. So it could hit 100,000 and go back down. However, I think we're going to see this time. Now, people say, what's a Bitcoin super cycle? It's kind of a made up word in crypto, right? No, what's the definition of a super cycle? Anybody know? I know you don't because it doesn't exist. I'm the only one that came up with it. <laughs> to me, the definition of a Bitcoin super cycle is going to be the reversal of diminishing returns. It's going to be when we see more returns than we saw for the last one. Now, that could mean, you know, a three, a, a three X, a, a three and a half X more than that. I think we'll put Bitcoin around 250 K, right? So 70, 245 K, I think exactly what it would be. I think it's possible that we see that, but even if we don't see that big of a, that high of a number, even if we see $200,000, that's a much less diminishment than we've seen on schedule. So it still kind of would fit. Think of the narratives we have in this, in this one. Now, the last one we have COVID. COVID, look, bad. If you know somebody that died, I don't know anybody that died from it, like very sad. Obviously, they're, there was an element of it that was real. There <laughs> was certainly an element of it that wasn't that was fake and the whole thing. Mean, you guys know the pictures and the in the hype and all that stuff. Very sad. Incredible for crypto. We all know that. It was incredible for YouTube, incredible for content creators, incredible for influencers, incredible for Uber drivers, you know, incredible for a lot of stuff, you know. Um, incredible for Pfizer, shocker, you know. Um, incredible for Bill Gates, shocker. I don't want to get into my conspiracy theories. But the point is, is that it, it was great for crypto because the United States started printing money and they, more money than they had printed before. And then you had more people with time to pay attention. But what's so interesting about this cycle is because towards, towards the end of the last cycle, there were whispers of what? Stopping the interest rates, raising, so stop, re reversing them, sending them back up again. So in November of 2021, all of a sudden everybody's talking about that. And of course, Sam Bankman Freed's, you know, shortened the market at that time. And that narrative just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and it made it impossible for Bitcoin to get off the ground. This time, think about the timing of these three narratives. No, four, really. Number one, you have the Ripple case for all intents and purposes is over. So we got the first, it's not official, 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 but I don't see any way that gets reversed. We got not only is XRP the first regulated crypto Okay, outside of Bitcoin, which this, the SEC said, well, William Hemmings said didn't even count, right? So they didn't say whatever they want. You, you got not only the first regulated coin with XRP, but now all these coins that people are like, is this a security? Is this Let me tell you this. If XRP ain't a security, none of it is. A Ponzi scheme might be a security, a straight Ponzi scheme. You can make the argument a mean coin that doesn't do anything, has no utility, is, is secure. You can, I think it's gonna be its own category, but we don't have that. Even though there's a lot of regulatory suppression right now, the altcoins themselves, the companies behind them are feeling pretty good. Coinbase, really feeling themselves. They're getting ready to do this SEC lawsuit, they're gonna crush the SEC. I was told by a lawyer who works for Binance, they set a billion dollars aside to fight the SEC. Ripple spent 150 million and they crushed them. Like imagine how bad Binance. So we're gonna see kind of the freeing up of the regulation. So that's number one. And that's kind of already happened in my opinion with the Ripple case. Number two, at some point in this cycle, you're gonna get the positive rates completely. 
as long as it goes into 2025, like we think, probably the end of this year, if not before that, we're going to see we're going to see we're going to see the total end of that. Then number three, at some point in 2025, we're probably going to get the money printer and quantitative easing turning back on. We may even see in 2025 the rates completely reverse and start going back down again. And then number four, we've been saying it since 2017. The week of lost twins have been trying it since 2014. We're probably going to see the spot ETF approved. Probably going to see the spot ETF approved for Bitcoin in the next uh, in the next couple of years. And so when you look at all four of those things happening in the same cycle, to me, that's a huge indicator. Adam back himself, CEO of Blockstream. I think he's still CEO of Blockstream. He said he expects $100,000 by the halving. The halving, where Bitcoin is, is going to be very integral, in my opinion, to determining where it's going. If we're at $35,000 at the halving, and it never goes above $35,000 between now and next April, we're probably going to see the, the diminished returns continue. We're probably going to see maybe less than $100,000, still an increase, maybe very conservative. If we see that thing between 50 and 100K, whew, man, then we're looking at, man, we could really be looking at some big numbers. But the, I've, been, I've been dead on with the dates for about five or six years now. I've not been dead on with the numbers. So the dates are more important because I wish I would have taken my own advice. I said between Halloween and Thanksgiving 2021 for like two years, I said that. And then you know what happened? I said, nah, it's still gonna hit 100K, I'm gonna wait for it. <laughs> you know, like I called it and then I, and then I didn't take the profits I wish I would have. So I, I think everybody needs, one of the things I'm gonna preach on my channel this year a lot more is take the profits, take the profits, take the profits, take the profits. We know what it's like now to see a contagion. I had my company at $3 million on Celsius. That was our payroll money. We had to lay people off. We were golden, we had a golden highway. We could have paid our employees for years. And that was when we lost it because we didn't take the profits. And then we lost all the money on the centralized exchange. So diversify where you hold your crypto. Some, some cold storage, it's okay to have some on an exchange. It's okay to have some on a hot wallet. Never have one source where you can lose your whole entire saving, everything. And of course, make sure uh, that you're taking profits along the way and you'll be okay. That's a good note to end on. Take love the money it. and run. Thank you. Take the money and run. Free money. I love it. Thank you. Thank you.